0: Blog Talk Radio. at the National Archives and Beyond blog, Talk Radio. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett, and I want to welcome the callers and chatters to research at the National Archives and Beyond. This show will provide individuals interested in genealogy and history an opportunity to listen, learn, and take action. If you have logged in as a guest, and you wish to participate in the chat, please go ahead and sign in through your Facebook account or blog, Talk Radio. Well, tonight's show, Radiant Roots, Baraka Branches, will explore several aspects of genealogical research by connecting and verifying family through an array of resources, including DNA. DNA. Teresa Vega is the special guest for tonight, and she has a background in cultural anthropology, and this background provided her with the framework to research her ancestral roots. Now, she started blogging to document her genealogy research over the past several years, and she is a proud member of both the New Jersey and New York chapters of the Afro-American Historical and Genealogical Societies and the Facebook group, African-American Genealogy and Slave Ancestry Research. In addition, she is an art quilter and is currently featured in an Ancestry.com commercial. So let me give a warm welcome to Teresa Vega to research at the National Archives and Beyond welcome Teresa Thanks Bernice
1: I'm, I'm happy to be here
0: and I'm just so happy to have you so let's start off with your blog and the title of your blog how did you come up with this title
1: Well, my blog title is Radiant Roots Bariqua Branches. Um, I started my blog three years ago as part of uh, an initiative that Lucky Daniels, another black genealogist, had uh, where she encouraged a lot of us to start blogs. So the first part of my blog refers to my maternal African-American side. Uh, When I first started doing genealogy research, it was – solely on my maternal side simply because um, I only had my Puerto Rican father and didn't know anyone on that side of the family. So in research in my maternal side, I found out all these wonderful jewels of having, um, you know, uh, ancestors who had been freed early. They had been church founders. They had been um, underground railroad station masters. So I said, you know, I'm going to pay – tribute to those um african-american ancestors that i had who were politically active so i i named that section radiant roots and then three years ago after taking my first dna test i was able to actually find all my daddy's side so i literally have thousands and thousands of puerto rican cousins so, the second half of my blog, The Bariqua Branches, refers to my Puerto Rican side of my family. And for the past three years, I, I always tell people that the best thing about me ever taking a DNA test was finding my paternal relatives. So, I, I paid tribute um, to that side of the family. And then the subtitle, Musings on My Triracial Black and Puerto Rican Ancestry, both my African American side. And my Puerto Rican side is triracial. So I, okay. I pay tribute to that.
0: You pay tribute to all of it, which is wonderful, fantastic. So why don't you just help us understand your genealogy journey?
1: OK. Well, I started, you know uh, doing genealogy research about 16 years ago, and it was an off-and-on uh, type of research. Now, about seven years ago, I logged on to Ancestry.com. I didn't even realize that I could get email there. And I had something like almost 10 emails from my third cousin, Andrea Hughes. Um, For the past seven years, she's been my uh, genealogy road dog, so to speak. I do exclusive research with her. Uh, We complement each other. We've been able to have... uh, made extensive breakthroughs so about three years ago we decided that we would take our DNA test at the same time because we we had exhausted so we thought um, the paper trail genealogy so in in taking that test one of the things that came up was her mitochondrial DNA indicated that our shared second-great-grandmother, her female ancestors were of Malagasy descent. So that put us on a research uh, trail to find out how how did our ancestors get from Madagascar to New York and New Jersey. So uh, hence my blog post, you know, the DNA trail from Madagascar to Manhattan. Uh, we, from there, uh, we've made extensive, uh, breakthroughs. Uh, most recently, uh, the, the major breakthrough was finding out who our third and fourth, uh, grandparents were on our Greenwich, Connecticut ancestors line. So we've been, we've been, uh, just making through, uh, making breakthroughs. I try to balance my blog in terms of telling the stories of both my maternal and paternal relatives. Uh, You mentioned the Ancestry DNA commercial where I went to Puerto Rico. Uh, That was all due to the fact that I had a blog post on finding out uh, that my paternal second great grandfather was assassinated for being part of the Puerto Rican Autonomous um, Party. And I was only able to find that information because I took an ancestry DNA test, and that put me in touch with my third cousin, Maddie. And through her, I, you know, the first thing she said to me was, did you know he was assassinated? And again, that set me off on a trail to find out why. So I really try uh, in my blog post to do extensive research and document that so I am able to tell my ancestors' stories so that other people can learn about them. And sometimes it's just mundane stuff, and and sometimes it's major stories like that one. Right. Well, I am uh, getting messages from the people in the chat
0: room that they are having sound issues. And so I've connected with the technology to see what's going on. And uh, for the time being, we'll continue to talk. I hope technology will come on to let us know what's going on. Uh, So that we can continue because I can certainly hear you so let's just continue or let me just stop for one second and then come back in to see what's going on. Okay, so I'm going to put some music on. Well, welcome back, everybody. Uh, we're going to continue to talk and see what's going on. But it is very interesting that your your ancestry DNA connected you with this information about your, your ancestor. And so I want you just to tell us a little bit more about how did this, uh, did you meet with your family members? In Puerto Rico?
1: Yes. Yes, yes. I actually, it's funny, I when I first went to Puerto Rico years, decades ago, I should say, uh, Puerto Rico could have been any other island in the Caribbean. Um, mm-hmm. What I thought was my father passed away, I don't have any relatives here. Um, it just so happened that in January 2015, I did write my blog post, and I have to say my ancestors have always been in alignment. I wrote a blog post that talked about Juan Eusebio, Bonia Salcedo, and what actually happened to him. I dedicated that blog post to my cousin Maddie and all my Bonia Quiles cousins in Puerto Rico and to my father. Who would know that almost a year later, a little over a year later, um, I had the opportunity to uh, go to Puerto Rico, landed at the airport, met my cousins, went to Yalco where my paternal grandfather's family was from, was able to walk where my ancestors walked, met my Bonilla Aquila's cousins who shared the same second great grandfather. And then, you know, I leave Puerto Rico and I met with my cousins, by my cousins at the airport. So the whole, I, I felt like I was welcomed home and it was a, a beautiful experience, um, now I can say, yeah, I'm going to Puerto Rico to see my peeps, uh, and, and 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 it <laughs> means something,
0: <laughs> right? Oh, how exciting though! It is just absolutely exciting, just to to hear you say that you walk where your ancestors walk and you met your people. Oh my goodness! And what? and
1: and and what I was going to say, one of the m- most special parts of it. Um, was after we filmed the commercial, I, I did a second blog post that talked about how we gathered and we paid tribute to my second great-grandfather. And we were able to 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 let him know that, you know, we found you and we discovered you and we're going to let the world know about you. So uh, prior to writing both blog posts on him, the when you Googled his name, all you saw was in Spanish, an urban legend that said if you went to the church, um, the, the, the the place behind the church where he was assassinated, you heard sounds, it was the trees crying out as witnesses, and then there was just a book title, and we were able to tell his story, so now when you Google his name, my blog posts come up. Oh, isn't
0: that wonderful? That is Great. Well, tell us a little bit more about some of your other genealogical research, because finding um, your family I, I, is, is fantastic.
1: Yeah, that is well. Well, when you go to my blog and you look at the archives, you'll notice that in three years ago I had nine postings. Most of those postings were due to the fact that my maternal grandfather's line goes back to Newark, and going back to the late seven, mid to late seventeen hundred. So. Um, they were free blacks Uh, my fourth great grandfather Thomas Thompson was freed in 1800 and he went on to become you know one of the first stagecoachmen from Newark to lower Manhattan which was New York City at that time and I was able to find through um, a bunch of different resources Um, I literally spent a lot of time at the New Jersey Historical Society uh, finding information piece by piece. So I was able to find out about Thomas Thompson's son-in-law, Jacob King, Jacob D. King, uh, and how he built an underground railroad house in 1830 Newark. I was able to find out not only about my actual ancestors, but the larger black community at that time, and how, you know, just coming out of slavery, they built the colored schools, the, the colored Presbyterian Church, the AME Zion Church. And all these organizations. So uh, I was able to, because they were free and because they left a legacy, I was able to tell a lot of stories about them. And uh, I've also been able to most recently, this week actually, tell about my Greenwich, Connecticut ancestors and how far back they go. Um, right, but
0: before you likewise, go to that mm-hmm. I want to ask you just a few few more questions about some mm-hmm. of the resources that you uh use to to find the story about your family in in Jersey mhm
1: yeah well what what one of the resources I use is uh i when I first started Andrea and I first started we actually Uh, would go to the historical society, and we would chart all of our ancestors' surnames using city directories. We've looked at Uh uh, – we definitely look at uh, newspaper articles. We look at tax records. And all the – we would look at um, wills, uh, uh, just regular uh, books, history books. To see if if we could find anything. Okay, and we were, and so,
0: we were and able to this, do that. Right. Yes, which is which is wonderful, and it's wonderful that you were able to actually find them in all these documents to talk about the Underground Railroad and the churches and the schools and what have you. Um, tell us more about your your research because you just mentioned about a blog that you just wrote.
1: Oh, yes. The, 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 the two most recent uh, companion blogs, I'm calling it, uh, recently, well, for the past, I would say, five five years, we have been, and when I say we, I mean me and Andrea, we have been researching our green line. And we were actually stuck for until last fall when Ancestry released the pro, all the probate wills. And one of the reasons why we were stuck was that our second great-grandfather had the same exact name, George E. Green, as his first cousin. And we weren't sure as to um, which George E. Green was, well, we knew which George E. Green was ours, but we didn't know which father. And in 1850, when you go back to the census record, they have all these Green brothers living right next door to each other. So was Alan our third great-grandfather or was Henry? And we were stuck, mm-hmm. and then when they released the wills, we were able to look at Alan's will and definitively say, he's our third great-grandfather. It just so happened that my grandfather had inherited all these tintypes, and some of them included, uh, were tintypes of my great-grandfather's first cousins. So we were able to say, oh, Ernest and Everett are Thomas's son. Thomas was his brother. So that. Into uh, you know, it allowed us to document our third great grandfather, which led to our fourth great grandfather. So last fall, um, I went to uh, Stanford Government Center and to the Greenwich Town uh, Hall to to look for documents, and I was able to confirm Anthony Green, and I was able to uh, find out that my fourth great grandmother was Peg Merritt. And recently, we were able, just a couple of weekends ago, to document her, well, to find her uh, bill of sale 1790. Oh, wow. 1790. Tell us what was in this bill of sale. What was in it was, it was just the documentation, It it was a bill that, said that she was sold seventeen ninety by Daniel Lyon to Nathan Merritt Jr. for the total sum of fifty New York dollars. Or money I should say. Wow. Yeah. Fifty. For fifty but prior dollars prior to for so fifty dollars. Now prior to that, um, I had gone to the Greenwich Historical Society And they had actually had her emancipation record from 1800. They had the bill of sale for her second son, Jack Houston, 1796, sold at the age of three for 15 New York money. But they didn't know that he was the son of Peg. so i've been able to tell them look you know you have her emancipation record this is her second son and they even actually had uh the notation on my fourth great grandfather's slave owner's will that said anthony green a colored man worth one hundred dollars wow so you have found your ancestors
0: enslaved you have found a group that were free people of color. You found some that were emancipated. You've gone to Puerto Rico. So you have mm-hmm. uh, just uh, just a rich, uh, a rich array of genealogical knowledge that I'm sure others would like to just hear your steps. Take us through each of your steps. Now, you found this 1790 bill of sale mm-hmm. for $50 how did you find the
1: 1790 bill of (laughs) sale again my ancestors were in alignment and this is going to dovetail (laughs) into my my latest blog post on how not to do genealogy research i happened and when i say the ancestors were in alignment i happened to be in greenwich Um, actually i took the train to portchester to meet my cousins pat and eddie they're my fifth cousins and my fourth cousin um anna and we're all peg and anthony descendants so we had already made plans to go to uh union cemetery in greenwich to pay respects to our ancestors who were buried there so so Mm -hmm. we get off the train we go to my cousin pat's house her husband comes out the uh the kitchen is like you're not going to believe it look at the front page so we came across this article where um, this individual whom I had uh, communicated with five years ago on Ancestry, uh, he asked me if I was related to an Edward Mayo Merritt. And at the time, uh, I knew my greens, and I knew the Merritts were related to the greens. Um, and when you go back to our, our, our genealogy record, what you see happening is several generations after Peg and Anthony, you had cousin marriages between the Greens and the Merritt. So at the time, uh, five years ago, I didn't know that I was also directly related to the Merritt. So I said, well, Ed Merritt is the husband of my great-grandfather's sister, Laura, my 2nd great aunt. So this person kept asking questions, asking for photographs. Uh, I'm asking for his family tree, not giving it. And then um, I finally stopped, uh, and he also contacted Andrea. We finally decided, okay, he's not given anything. Let's just cut it. Uh, Two years pass. Again, are you related to Ed Merritt? Same question, except this time he was using a different name. So it was always, you know, do you have any pictures? Do you have this? So we cut it again. So last fall when I was in Greenwich at the town hall, the clerk was I had actually called her before I went and I was telling her I wanted to come up. Um, I wanted to look for the vital records and I gave her a bunch of surnames and she said, do you know this person? I was like, no. So I reached out to the person and we communicated, communicated again. Um, he shared information, but once again, it was like, uh, you know, can you give me this? Can you give me that? And, um, I actually back then sent him a few pictures. Uh, he, he exchanged the picture of John Sherman Merritt that I used on my blog. Um, then we made plans to, I told him I had a blog, we made plans to meet up when he was home on vacation in December and then radio silence, radio silence. I had sent him an invite on Facebook. He blocked me. No phone call returns nothing. So had I not been in Greenwich that day, when they featured him on the front page with the bill of sale, I would not have known it. My cousins and I would not have known it. So when I talk about the ancestors were in alignment, they were. And I was able to, because of the way he acted, it it caused me to be curious. So after five years, I never questioned whether or not he was actually related to me the way he said he was, but because of his, um, just his the the way he went about doing things I said wait a minute like something is fishy here as my grandmother would say so I went back and I was like wait a minute I'm not seeing the way he says we're related which gets into we can discuss genealogical proof standard um I went back and found out that There was conflicting information from the start that that he should have been investigating. When things don't jive together, uh, if if my Edward Mayo Merritt was born, lived his entire life, died in Greenwich, but your second great-grandfather's, all his vital records, birth, marriage, death, say Edward Merritt, born in Portchester, New York, then that's something that needed to be investigated. There's a conflict there. Now, if John Sherman Merritt's birth record said his father's black, but all the Edward Merritt's that are born in Portchester are white, there's another conflict. And mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I think what I and I and, and this per individual's young, so you figure five years ago he was probably mid teens. So I I can't be too hard on him, even though sometimes I want to be. I'm not going to be too hard because I know, uh, uh, he put a lot of time, uh, and I'm going to take the high road, but. It's a lesson to be learned here. And what he did was because his second great-grandfather was born in Greenwich and someone in his family had a photograph of my Edward Mayo Merritt's father, he just naturally said, I'm gonna discount Portchester and, and and hang with Greenwich. And that was a mistake because in going back, I, I the fact that he even had a photo of Samuel Henry Merritt, pushed me to like dig deeper and what I found out was um, Peg had a son named Charles Charles had a number of sons one was Abraham Abraham died 1880 and when he died I found out his widow and his children moved to Port Chester well one of those children was an Edward Merritt now they mo- they had to have moved to Porchester shortly after let's say Abraham died or within a couple of years. So the question was could this Edward Merritt be the father of John Sherman Merritt and was there any way I could prove that they were in Porchester around the time that his second great-grandfather was born. So I was able to first document from the 1900 census that they were there And then I was like, okay, can I find them before 1900? And I was able to find uh, another city directory, and city directories are great resources, where they were the only three black. Abraham's widow Hulda and her two sons were the only three black merits in Port Chester in 1896. So one of the uh, genealogical proof standard is, you know, are you documenting correctly and another one is are you arriving at sound conclusions so i concluded that and made more sense that john sherman Merritt was said to be you know the illegitimate son of this edward Merritt. um clearly the woman his mother basically put down born in portchester because that's where he was living and she must have just assumed that this edward was born there when he only in fact was born in greenwich but lived in portchester so it's it's you really do have to check your sources if um there are conflicts in the information you really need to investigate them and and that was what i wanted to point out um in the blog um that you 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 have to be meticulous in your research absolutely absolutely or
0: you will find people will have the same name but as you said you have to look at several different factors to make certain that you have selected the right person and it's uh, it's really easy i think as you have just pointed out to pick a name and say oh that's the same name that i have on my tree boom that's my family whereas mm-hmm. when you're saying they were born in different places and yeah. one well, never the towns left are next to each other yeah 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 mhm mm-hmm. So we're going to take a quick break and come back. I do have folks who want to hear more about your Puerto Rican line. So this is going to be a quick break, and we'll come right back. All of my shows are available as a podcast immediately after the broadcast, and they can be downloaded from Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, TuneIn.com, and Stitcher.com. Now, the phone line is open for anyone that would like to call in to chat with us. So feel free to just call in right now. We seem to be having some audio problems, but, you know, the call is still going on, so please feel free to just call on in and ask questions. Now, we have Teresa Vega, and she just uh, pretty much gave us a big overview of three areas that she has researched. And, Teresa, the folks enjoyed hearing what you just shared with us about how not to do uh, research, but they also want to know more about your Puerto Rican roots so could you tell us more about your Puerto Rican uh, roots some people missed your discussion earlier and then we can go back to what you were telling us about how not to do uh, genealogy research
1: sure sure Um, as I was saying before if you asked me if you looked at my family tree I should say about four years ago it was just my dad in the names of his parents. I was so blessed to have um, one of my Puerto Rican DNA cousins, Luis Rivera, helped me uh, prior to Ancestry.com indexing all the civil registration records in Puerto Rico. He helped me flush out my family tree to second and third and some fourth uh, great grandparents. And... Um, so for the past three years, I've been able to tremendously even go further than that um, on some lines on my father's side. Um, my paternal grandmother's family go back to northwest Puerto Rico. Some of those towns are Aguada, Aguadilla, Moca, Ricon, Isabella, uh, Lare, San Sebastian, et cetera. And then my paternal grandfather's line is all southwest, Yauco, Guanica. San Herman, Cabo Rojo, et cetera. So um, I'm still uh, researching a lot on that side. I've been blessed to meet a lot, a lot of cousins. Some of my cousins even, it's hard to believe that for 18 out of my 22 years here, I thought I was the only uh, Vega here, and I have cousins who are within walking distance of me, cousins I can hop on the train and I routinely see all the time. Uh, So, those are my Puerto Rican roots now, and I've been able to write a couple of blog posts. Um, The first one I ever wrote was Rice and Beans and Collard Greens, which is how I refer to myself being half African American and half uh, Puerto Rican, or strictly Black-O-Rican. But I've been blessed to be able to flush out that side. Well, there's a question about
0: uh, your resource. Did you go to fold three and look through the list de esco? I'll say it and mess it up, but did you use the list on fold three to flush out your ancestors and develop that index that you mentioned?
1: I, I, I actually, um, I fold three is one of the resources I do use.
0: And I've
1: used it um, in terms of tracking down my uh, 29th Connecticut uh, Colored Troops ancestors. You know, uh, I'm still trying to go back and find my Revolutionary War. I know the ancestors, I know they're lurking around somewhere. But I use that strictly for um, uh, military records. Okay, so you I, haven't I, used
0: it to look at Puerto Rico, records in Puerto Rico.
1: Um, well, so, well, well, some of them as it relates to to relatives I have. Um. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yes, because there's a comment stating that Puerto Rico has a large list of slaves. I mean, excuse me, Fold 3 has a large list of slaves from they Puerto do.
1: Rico. do. hmm they do. I haven't. I I use the on Ancestry. I tend to access those records, or even on Family Search. Family Search,
0: right? I wasn't aware Both that Fold3 had them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, there's a, also a question: Are you in touch with groups on Twitter like Afro uh, Descendants?
1: i i am I'm, I'm on twitter my handle is uh r r b b genealogy and uh people are more than free to link to me and I am linked to a lot of uh both african american genealogy groups and, and genealogy groups uh in general mhm
0: so if you had to advise some people on how to uh do research in puerto Rico, what
1: resources would you tell them to look into I am I'm gonna, I'm gonna confess to not being an expert on resources in Puerto Rico but I do know that um, both ancestry and family search have excellent resources. Okay and there are and, and several search. groups right and there are several um, groups on Facebook that have been uh, a Gods, um, some of those groups I can actually share with you. Um, there's Puerto Rican genealogy. Um, mm-hmm. There are also um, uh, there's groups specific to towns. Um, you also have, uh, in, in Spanish, it's the genealogy of, of Puerto Rico, genealogia de Puerto Rico. That's a great resource. So, you know, I, I recommend uh, people searching whether you're African-American or Puerto Rican, Facebook groups that are, are specific um, to genealogy. There are many. Uh-huh. There's even, even a list on Facebook of all the genealogy groups. Um, I, I, uh, speaking of the Genealogy of Puerto Rico Facebook group, for years I was um, stuck on not knowing the, the maternal surname of my second great-grandmother. I only had Evarista mm-hmm. Lahara, uh, and I didn't. I didn't know. In 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 Spanish, you have to know the maternal surname. Um, and then one of my friends in this group was able to locate a, her death certificate, and found out that her mother's name was Guerra Mondragon, And it was funny because I had looked on all my ancestry DNA matches, saw I was related to all these folks, but you know, wasn't sure. And, again, that record gave me proof. So I was able to, right. you know, go way back on that line. And I even mm-hmm. went and back to And when you say way back,
0: how spring. far is way back?
1: In the 1700s. Oh, yes, you mm-hmm. have gone way back. That's right. That's yeah, and life. I have my, my line, that's my Bonilla line, uh, the, the line that um, my second great-grandfather descends from, that bonilla line goes back to one of the first spanish conquistadors in the 1500 so that, so in 1890 he was assassinated uh, for being puerto rican and just to think his family had been in puerto rico uh for like 300 and something years and they were still mm-hmm. not treated as you know full citizens like the spanish were wow so you've gone to Puerto Rico. You made this
0: video of your connections. So when will we be able to see more of what happened when you went to Puerto Rico?
1: Oh, I, I, well, I, I'm planning on going back at Christmas time, so I'll probably film then. But, uh, uh, uh we do. We didn't take a lot of video of the libation ceremony, but I do have a, a, a section a piece of it on my blog, but I'll, I'll be going back frequently. Wonderful. That's wonderful. Well, let's go back to a
0: discussion that we had earlier and that discussion focused on your blog, how not to do genealogy. And so Mm -hmm. if you had to give people a list of do's and don'ts, what would you tell them?
1: Well, I, I, I think when all of us, whether we've, um, whether we do traditional genealogy and use Ancestry.com or, or Genie or, um, or have taken DNA tests, when your 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 so-called cousins reach out to you, you know that initial interaction is going to set the tone of all future interactions. So. Mm-hmm. Um, this whole experience has made me much more um, guarded, I want to say. I, I used to have an open tree, public tree. I've closed it. Um, if someone, you know, wants to share information, and, and, and it has to be an exchange. So I'm not sharing information if they don't share information. Um, and I just think that, that that we have to be cognizant that sharing information is a two-way street that we can mm-hmm. all benefit from mm-hmm. so so I would I would I would just want people to be aware of how they set the tone for whatever future relationship now as as an opposite example my cousin Pat who I just met not even a month ago you know met her she she reached out to me on Ancestry we shared DNA we shared family trees boom I you know I went up to Porchester to her house met her you know Years from now, I'll be like, that's my cousin Pat, and we hit it off from mm-hmm. Jump Street. That's, that's the kind of interaction I want to have. I have plenty of other cousins on both sides where um, we met and we bonded, and, and that's what I do like. So, so just be cognizant of how you're coming across to people. Um, and, then, and then you can't assume certain things. Um, you can't take a photograph that you find and say automatically, this is my relative. Um, you you really have to be meticulous in your research, and you you want to just not use like one or two you know bits of evidence, but you want to do and use an exhaustive search and look for um you know more information as much information that you can back something up. For instance, in the last blog post on my Greenwich ancestors, I, I, someone said to me Teresa. You have a lot of documentation. It might be too much. I'm like, it can never be too much. Uh, Because the more you have, the better your case. And I want to be able to tell my ancestors' story with as much assurance that I can. Um, Mm -hmm. And I want it documented. You know, you have to be able to cite your evidence so that someone else can come back and replicate exactly where you got your information from and 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 that is so important and then um if you if you've taken a dna test and this is one thing i've I've learned um and you are saying you're related to someone on that line why not share that information dna has offered us more definitive proof of whether or not we're related to someone it's the it's 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 great to get your DNA cousins, but let's face it, it is the ultimate paternity test. Um, when I think of this case, you know the and, and I'm advocating that this individual's uh, uncle be tested, because if you're saying that this person was the illegitimate son of so-and-so, and there are descendants coming from like five or six different ways, from the same individual you're claiming to be descended from and they've DNA tested, take the test. I would, I would think that you would want the most definitive proof ever to say, yes, this is my family line for certain. So, you know, DNA provides the power to be a truth teller. Now, of course, the flip side of that is, is, there's some people who who are never going to want to share because they really don't want to know the truth. And that's something that you have to deal with.
0: Right, right. Now there's two comments coming from the chat room. First of all, you mentioned, you know, about the importance of communication and that sharing should be a two-way street. So the question is, so what if they don't, they don't know each other and they really don't want to share, then, or the tree is closed, as you said. You may not have an open tree. Some of those people may see your name and keep on going.
1: So well, and, and that's, how that's, do that's you... the reality. Mm-hmm. That That's always the reality. You, you're you not, you know, you, you can only be as open as you are, and the, the same is on the other side. So there is always going to be people who don't want to share anything, don't want to know anything. Some people take DNA tests, uh, you know, just for their own, you know, personal admixture results and don't really care about reaching out. That that just comes with the territory. But what I'm saying is for those people who do reach out to you, be cognizant of, of, of your initial interactions.
0: Right, right. Now, because you mentioned DNA, I want you to just talk a little bit more about uh, your Madagascar, uh, Ancestry okay. and and just where are you going with with that? Because uh, several people are, are starting to identify Madagascar, and so is there a special project or how are people communicating with each other on that particular uh,
1: line of your? Okay. So, ancestry? All right. So let me let me let me rewind here. Uh, so three years ago, when we found out that Andrea. Uh, was a Andrea is a direct uh, matrilineal descendant of our shared second great grandmother. So she was tested, her mother was tested, her uncle was tested, brother. We even got our, uh, 100 year old cousin whose, uh, whose grandmother was my second great grandmother's sister tested. So we've, we've tested multiple people on that M23 Malagasy line. Um, Two years ago, I happened to be at a genealogy conference and met CeCe Moore of Finding Your Roots. She was given the the backstory of what gets left out of Finding Your Roots. She was telling us the story of Benjamin Jealous, the ex-president of uh, the NAACP, and his maternal Malagazi line from Virginia. And that's when I raised my – she kept going on about Virginia, and I raised my hand and said, what about New York? And so she had not – she didn't even know about New York, so she asked me to be the co-administrator of Family Tree DNA's Malagasy Roots Project. Now, the goal of that project is to get as many people tested um, who have uh, potentially have Malagasy uh, ancestry. So we know, and I, and if you go to my blog on the DNA Trail from Manhattan. Madagascar to Manhattan, you'll see at the very end I list all the mitochondrial DNA and Y-DNA haplogroups that have been found in Madagascar. So if you have one of those, you might want to take a full sequence FT-DNA mitochondrial DNA test. Now, that is the most specific kind of test you can take for uh, uh, your matrilineal line. And the goal has always been to Testes. Many African Americans, um, and I'm, I'm going to throw out Puerto Ricans as well because I've noticed on my Puerto Rican cousins that a lot of them, especially those with L group, are showing signs of um, Malagasy admixture. Um, you, you take a test, and you're going to be able to get in touch with those DNA cousins who would be related to you on that line that goes back to Madagascar. So we've tested, and we have actually an M23 cohort of seven individuals. Um, I would say six of them are, are, have a New York, New Jersey affinity. And then one of our cousins, Alan Russell, his grandmother was half Malagasy from the island of St. Helena. And Saint, that St. Saint Helena was the first stop from Madagascar on the way to the Caribbean, and on to uh, North America uh, so for us to 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 uh, be related to him and, and means that at some point we either had a relative uh, common relative in Madagascar or we might have had two relatives one was left in St. Helena and then one went on to New York New Jersey so you know mm-hmm. I encourage people to look at that list if they have a haplogroup that, that is found in Madagascar, I highly encourage them to take a full sequence uh, mitochondrial DNA test from FTDNA. And Christmas time is the best time to take the test because there are all these discount coupons out. That's right. But I want to just ask you, because
0: you mentioned the M23 group, uh, mm-hmm. is, how many haplogroups have you identified?
1: Oh, there, there, there are there there are many, and not every, not every haplogroup is just found in Madagascar. Especially when you're talking L haplogroups. Um, yeah. The half of the half of the uh, Malagasy genome is Southeast Asian, and the other half uh-huh. is South to East African. So when you talk about the BANTU expansion in in the southeastern part of Africa, um, a lot of those haplogroups um, actually uh, are found in both Africa and Madagascar. Um, On my Uh blog post, I actually recommended certain GEDmatch calculators that people could use to assess whether or not they had southeast African and Southeast Asian admixture. It's not. It, it has to be a combination of both, and as I explain in my blog. But there are many, um, and I would refer people to the to the last part of the blog, because you're talking okay. like twenty to thirty. Mhm.
0: Right. Right. So so those of you that think you may have uh this hapla group or you may have madagascar ancestry uh check out your blog and should i tell them to contact you or who's who's administering the sure. short uh, project
1: oh oh that uh, people can contact me directly um okay at at uh and i'll give you my email address it's r r b b genealogy at gmail dot com Okay, that's R-R-B-B, genealogy, genealogy at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. All
0: righty. Okay, genealogy.com. And so we're getting close to the end of the show, and I just want to know, do you have any closing remarks or words of wisdom or information that you didn't share with us that you'd like us to know about?
1: Well, I I would say, you know, people should not give up uh, on on, uh, searching for their ancestors or searching for their family history. Um, It's out there. It's just a matter of of whether or not we're able to find it. Do not give up at all. I know that researching uh, slave ancestor roots is extremely difficult. Um, Mm -hmm. I've been able to do breakthrough. When I get discouraged, what Always keeps me going is the thought that somewhere in space or time my ancestors have gathered and they're rejoicing knowing that I'm putting the pieces of their lives back together and I'm and I'm sharing their story. So I, it, that's what motivates me to keep continuing to look. Um, I don't publish blog posts often, but when I do, as you can see, they're very detailed because I I want to be meticulous in my research and I want to be able to say, I've done the best that I could do, and I've been able to do this. And in each each finding, like that 1790 bill of sale, I was I was up at the Rye Historical Society within a week with my cousin Pat, um, and we were able to see that. And, and getting back to this situation, we were able to find out, not only did they have the bill of sale, but they had the 1812 letter of indenture for... My fourth great uncle, when he uh, uh, Peg couldn't take care of him, 12 years after emancipation, so he was given up to the state. So, Mm -hmm. so you know that is a victory. I know my ancestors were sharing, just finding that. And I would recommend that people consider um, having, you know, starting a genealogy blog. It's a great vehicle to to not only tell your family stories but publicize your research, discuss genealogy related issues and and above all set the record straight if someone is saying ABC and D is promoting misinformation you have the power in your blog to set the, the record straight Um and, and I'm so grateful that uh, to Lucky Daniels for pushing me to start my blog three years ago um, because now I'm able to tell those stories so I, I it's something that I encourage people do to do I have a blog on WordPress um, and there are plenty of other free sites that people can use to, to start one. So I would I would say keep, keep a book people. coming out? Will we see a book? Well eventually you know what? I, I I'm hoping uh, soon, um, one of the things we're working on now is is setting up a um, a joint exhibit. Um, of my greenwich ancestors so so hopefully out of that we'll be able to have some sort of publication but yeah, in the future we're still we're still trying to get more information on some lines but uh in the meantime, stay tuned to uh my blog okay,
0: well Teresa, I want to thank you so much for sharing sharing your journey, sharing your radiant roots, and your Bar- Barakwa branches just. It's been wonderful just listening to you tonight. And I want everybody to remember your ancestors left footprints. Therefore, you should follow the clues that are presented to you through oral history. Family records and research at the National Archives and beyond. Now, you can continue this discussion on the Research at the National Archives and beyond and Afrogenius.com Facebook pages, and remember to listen to Angela Walton Raji's podcast, the African Roots Podcast, and she put out one today. So thank you so much for joining research at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. This show is sponsored by your host, Bernice Beebe's Genealogy Research and Educational Services, LLC, and my website is www.geniebroots.com. Well, I look forward to everyone joining me next Thursday. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett. Good night, everyone. Good night, Teresa.
1: Good night. Thanks, Bernice.